Welcome to the Get Healthier Podcast with Rena Jadhav, who's on a quest to uncover breakthroughs and cures in living longer, healthier, and happier. Genetic testing, stem cells, rattling, talking to Silicon Valley geniuses and the best doctors in the world about the hottest products and programs to make you live an amazingly joyful life. Are you ready? Now, here's your host, Rena. Hi, everyone. Today, we're talking about the ticker, the heart, the same organ that's responsible for over 600,000 deaths a year in the U.S. That's about one in four of us are going to die from a heart attack. Depressing stats, but I have a lot of questions because I've lost some friends and some family members to a sudden heart attack. So, you know, it always makes you wonder when you get to kind of that late 40s, Am I next? How do I know how my arteries are doing? What diet should I take? What testing can I get done? Not a lot of great answers when you go talk to your primary care. So today we've got America's own vegan cardiologist, Dr. Joel Kahn. Super excited to have him today. He is not only a cardiologist, but the founder of the Kahn Center for Cardiac Longevity. He's launched a campaign to prevent a million heart attacks through healthy living. He's also the number one bestseller of The Whole Heart Solution, and dead execs don't get bonuses. Dr. Joel, welcome. Well, we started a little somber there, but we'll pick it up, and I'm sure we'll have some fun and maybe actually help some people not become part of that awful statistic that you mentioned, because it is uh, is just downright shocking and unreasonable. Yeah. I agree. And it's unacceptable. And you're going to tell us how it's going to go down to zero and four, right? Because there's a way. Well, there's no doubt we can quickly, quickly drop that number dramatically. Um, zero is a great goal. Uh, but let's, uh, let's do what we can to bring that number down by tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands in 2018. And Sounds fanciful, but it's basically applying a lot of the principles we use in other parts of medicine to the number one killer of men and women that has oddly and strangely been slightly ignored in this preventive cardiology world. Let's start with the background. How did you get interested in prevention of heart attacks, given that you were so great at patching people up after they'd had one? Yeah, absolutely. Then you said patch it up. There's actually a at least a 70 or 80 year old um, analogy that uh, you come across a sink that's just overflowing water on your floor. I mean, the first thing you're not going to do is get a mop and just mop the floor. The first thing you're going to do is try and find out why it's overflowing and maybe turn the knobs off to stop the problem. We often use that analogy that in medicine, we have a wonderful medical system to mop the floor. I've been in the emergency room, you know, it's not hundreds, thousands of times, rushed to the cath lab thousands of times, taking a look, put in a balloon, a stent, send somebody to bypass surgery, so many, you know, literally thousands of times. And that's mopping the floor because the problem isn't corrected with that rapid diagnosis, with that stent, with that bypass. The problem is to turn the knobs off. And we've got to address for our local areas, for our country, and really for the entire world, though uh, heart disease is largely a disease of the Western world. There are uh, regions and countries where heart attacks are largely unknown in hospitals. So we actually don't have to extend this program over every single country in the world to uh, bring numbers down dramatically. Uh, it's been estimated that we actually worldwide could drop heart attacks about 8 million if we extended a program. 
Well, I got, where did I get so excited about it? I got excited. I mean, I loved training to be a cardiologist. I loved that race to the cath lab, driving, you know, down a dark road, uh, 85 miles an hour to make sure I got there as quick as possible if I wasn't already in the hospital. And, you know, it, it was the most therapeutic, beneficial video game, instant win <laughs> you have for the patient. But it did not represent the ultimate goal of keeping people healthy and avoiding the tragedy, avoiding the disability, avoiding the loss of work, loss of life, loss of love, whatever it was. And I personally had um, uh, wandered into a very healthy dietary style around age 18. I was uh, keeping Jewish dietary laws called kosher. I walked in my dormitory. I looked around on the first day of dorm life, 1977, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I became a salad bar eater as really the only option I ate for uh, the two years I was in the dorm. At the end of those two years, I was totally hooked. I was a, a plant eater for life. I haven't had a hamburger since 1977. Wow. Uh, and all, and I didn't really understand the medical implications. I certainly didn't understand the environmental or ethical implications. But I was already in med school, and I was reading within my medical curriculum, and I was reading a lot outside my medical curriculum. I read a book in the 80s called A Diet for a New America by John Robbins that argued more convincingly than I ever imagined was possible that a plant diet was a very um, beneficial program for the environment. I wasn't aware of all the factory farming, and my vision expanded. And then in 1990, which is the year I began practicing cardiology outside of training, so I've been doing this for 27, 28 years, um, research was published that so you can actually reverse heart uh, with lifestyle. When I say something important, there's usually a noise like that, I find. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just angelic. I don't even know who it is, St. Peter or something. But uh, 1990, a major research study was published that said you can actually reverse serious heart disease. You can take blocked arteries and make them actually younger by eating well and learning how to manage stress using meditation and yoga and walking and mm -hmm. having social connections and friends and all. Really interesting data. But the outcome was you could reverse the number one killer of men and women in the Western world through lifestyle. And I was just gullible, gullible enough to say, gosh, you know, I've been eating this way for 13 years. I was already into some uh, meditative practices, regular exercise. I'm going to start teaching people this. Uh, people are called patients when they're in the doctor's office and when they're in my cath lab. So I've been uh, teaching uh, patients. If I have to put a stent in you today, it's got to be the last time ever we do this because I'm going to teach you the lifestyle that you never need to come back here again. Now, much better than that would be really turn those faucet knobs off and get to them before they ever end up you know, with the needle in their wrist or needle in their groin, uh, examining their arteries for their body. And that's what I now do exclusively is very clearly stated goal to keep you out of a surgeon's suite, a cath lab suite, uh, by teaching you the lifestyle that can reduce your risk of having that blocked artery by probably close to 90%. That's, those are really impressive numbers. When you talk about lifestyle changes, what are you referring to? Give us some concrete examples. Yeah, but I do want to put up a warning because if anybody, you know, hasn't heard this, there are side effects to adopting a lifestyle that has been shown scientifically over and over to reduce the risk of clogged arteries, erectile dysfunction, stroke, and heart attack by 90%. Because the side effects include you'll probably have a thinner, more energetic body, better skin, <laughs> probably won't develop type 2 diabetes, you have a much lower chance of developing Alzheimer's, much lower chance of having an autoimmune disorder. 
uh, in the realm of rheumatoid arthritis and lupus. So the side effects are very concerning. You just want to get those out right now. And I say with a bit thank of you for the disclaimer. Yeah, it actually actually is the uh, you know the body is this beautiful web or system that in the world that I have now chosen to train in, sometimes called functional medicine, where you heal a person in their entirety. When I can teach them better diet, better lifestyle, I will benefit you know the entire body, not just the organ that I predominantly have trained with. Um, and then you asked, so I mean, I think you asked me about the 90% reduction in what's the lifestyle. So clearly the most dangerous statement out there in my field is moderation and everything, because it's absolutely not true. Moderation and everything is even uh, uh, more evil than maybe like the American Heart Association and the American Diabetes Association website diets, which, you know, I, I honor that they've eliminated certainly junk food. You're not going to find directly a, a advertisement for Wendy's on American Heart Association uh, cooking site. But, you know, they're very moderate in their approach. It's okay to have some of this and some of that. You know, you don't have to do it all right. Well, actually, it turns out if you're going to use food as your vehicle to maintain an optimal weight, optimal blood sugar, blood pressure, blood cholesterol, and avoid uh, number one killer men and women clogged arteries, you need to be pretty darn strict, you know, somewhere between maybe 95 and 100%. And that's going to be largely whole food, plant-based is your core. I mean, we're talking beans and legumes and whole grains and fruits and vegetables, a lot of things that have no ingredient list because broccoli's broccoli. You don't need a sticker on broccoli, maybe organic or conventional, and that's about it. Um, and that's going to be the core of your life. It's going to be large salads and large casseroles and bean soups and um, all the rest. And then whether 5% of that is occasionally you enjoy, which I don't choose to do, you enjoy a piece of grilled animal product, you fill in the blank. I don't like the word protein because I get plenty of protein in my diet. I don't need too much protein in my diet because actually you age slower before age 65, 70. If you eat a lower protein diet, we can go down that rabbit trail if we want. But so, you know, but you that you've got to be quite adherent. And you can't be sloppy with it. The little donut here, the um, uh, empty calorie bagel with uh, GMO dairy cream cheese there, the Fruit Loops uh, at the hotel that just looks so good, I'll just sneak some in. They quickly add up and are adding to the burden of ending up being a person 40, 50, 60, 70, developing chronic diseases. Uh, you know, uh, obesity, hypertension, adult diabetes, arthritis, pain, uh, fibromyalgia, uh, fatigue syndromes, uh, depression, uh, memory issues, which aren't entirely, none of these are 100% entirely lifestyle responsive, but they're generally 80 to 90% lifestyle preventative lifestyle responsive. So my, my moniker that I teach, um, I have to put this on a coffee cup before somebody else mm -hmm. does, is extreme in diet moderate in exercise and abundant in love because I do really, I don't, I'm not a scary Debbie Downer kind of person. You had a slice of pizza, you're about to die. I'm not about to die. But you did something that does favor disease versus favoring wellness. And we have to retrain our palate and retrain our shopping list, retrain our pantry, retrain how we travel and how we eat in restaurants. A classic example real quick. I was in Las Vegas last night. I'm back in Detroit right now, I was at a major medical conference. I gave a big lecture yesterday to 7,000 physicians and other health professionals. And uh, after that, about 14 of us went out to dinner in the complex. 
and I'm not going to name names, and they're all wonderful people, but 13 people ate grilled meats and greasy potatoes and all kinds of uh, things. And I ordered five vegetable side dishes. Please, I'm not looking for wow. the Nobel, Nobel Prize in, you know, in restaurant ordering. But I had grilled eggplant and I had um, some, uh, what else did they put? Some great edamame, all kinds of things. It was actually delicious. Um, and, you know, that's what I'm saying. I, it's such an ingrained habit. It, uh, nothing on the table looked good. I loved what I ate. But that's what I urge people to do if you're a serious student of health and wellness. So that's diet. Beyond that, we have to move our body. We can move our body in a yoga studio, in a fitness gym, in a bar gym, in Pilates. We can stand at work like I'm standing right now on a standing desk with it's called a standing pad that lets me kind of move around a little bit. We need stress management. I love yoga. I love meditation. I love kind of spiritual music. Um, some people use Headspace and other apps mm -hmm. on their smartphone. Uh, we need a brief breathing exercise. There's a quick one called four, seven, eight breathing. You can just Google and find a quick YouTube, uh, 90 second right. practice that works real well, uh, at a business meeting or a family encounter where you don't want to blow your cool kind of reset your autonomic nervous system a little more balanced. Uh, you can use adaptogenic herbs to kind of help with stress because they're non-addictive and generally quite beneficial. Like funny words, ashwagandha and cordyceps and rhodiola. And we need great sleep. We need great sleep because we have to take that nighttime to restore, regenerate, rejuvenate, rebuild our uh, oxidative uh, antioxidant and oxidative stress defenses, repair our broken DNA from a day of running around, you know, slapping down caffeinated products and all the rest, alcohol. So you got to get, uh, you can't compromise your sleep. And in these studies, that have shown you can prevent and reverse heart disease. The core activities were this very fruit and vegetable rich diets. They weren't called vegan, they're just fruit and vegetable rich diets. They were regular activity in excess of 30 minutes a day, obviously not smoking. They were maintaining a thin waistline under 40 inches for a man, under 35 inches for a woman. They were sleeping seven hours or more at night. I don't want to sleep 14 hours, but seven, eight, nine hours a night. And, um, they were actually enjoying a bit of alcohol as part of your lifestyle. These are scientific studies that looked at multiple factors and came down with the five or six that were predictive of surviving your working career and beyond without ever having a heart attack or identifiable block, blockage. So it's tough. I'll, just one last statement before I uh, uh, stop flapping my lips. Even just this week, rather shocking study from Spain that I've been following. It's a it's an ongoing study, really highly academic scientists following about 4,000 bank workers in Madrid, and they're doing imaging of their carotid arteries up to the brain, their leg arteries called femoral arteries, both that using ultrasound. They're doing CAT scans of the heart to see if there's, they're, they're taking people that answer, I have no heart disease. I have no chest pain. I feel great. I'm a 44-year-old bank worker. I have no heart disease. And they're actually imaging them to see if that's actually accurate. And what they identified and published this week, and it made some headlines around the world, is 50% of people that were identified as low risk by the way your doctor, you go to your doctor and blood pressure, blood sugar, blood cholesterol, weight, a um, few questions about your diet, you're low risk, don't worry, Mrs. Jones, Mr. Smith, Mrs. Nichols. 50% of them in the study in Spain had silent artery damage to the brain, the legs, or the heart, or all of them that were not detected and not predicted because people are eating moderate diets of moderate activity and moderate quality and making compromises here or there and silently 
our pipes are getting rusted. So it's a tough deal trying to convince the public to upgrade their health. The core message is eat more fruits and vegetables. So crap ton of fruits and vegetables every day, everywhere, every meal, every snack. So just a little bit of chicken is not going to do it, is what you're saying. It's still going to rust the pipes. Well, um, I'm, I, you know, I'm not a chicken eating advocate, but I'd rather eat a chicken than a donut. Uh, right. We're getting close, you know, uh, and just a little bit. But so what I think we don't know in terms of health, we know in terms of animal rights, a little bit of chicken is still a piece of a chicken who didn't really want to participate in that. And uh, a little piece of chicken is part of a probably a factory farming organization that's harming our environment. So there are a number of levels of which we have to consider our plate and our diet and our grocery cart. But in terms of health, you know, is the Mediterranean diet, you've got a gigantic plate with a base of a beautiful multicolored salad. You've drizzled a little balsamic and maybe a little extra virgin olive oil on it. You've got some walnuts, you've got some pumpkin seeds, you've, you know, added a few sprouts. And there is in the corner of the plate, you know, three ounces of grilled chicken without the skin on it versus my plate that probably has beans or tempeh or seitan or jackfruit in the corner. Should we ever determine, you know, that those two plates have different health impacts long term because they're 90% plus plant-based? Unknown, unknown. And, you know, I don't know that we even need to resolve it. If you can stay on track and your little corner has a piece of chicken, go for it. And if mine has jackfruit, I'll stay right over there. I feel good about that. With the exception, if you're a heart patient, if you're actively trying to uh, reverse known heart disease, or you're trying to avoid a stent or a bypass, I would advise you go to the jackfruit plate because that's where the science is. The science says completely animal-free diets, um, rich in whole foods, whole grains, legumes, fruits, vegetables, have that ability to reverse and prevent that heart attack that we don't want to hear about a not, you know, because all this is kind of theory. And you said just before we went live, you know, you know, some people in the early 40s who've had heart attacks or maybe even died. You know, my business is to take care of people. And, and I rarely, but I'm aware in the community of 45 year olds, 38 year olds, 54 year olds, 52 year olds that drop dead. And dead is the end of the game. Dead is not fun. I mean, a heart attack's tragic, but with the way we treat heart attacks, you usually can bounce back usually. I mean, the people that are dropping dead, it's the same process as a heart attack. It's just, unfortunately, right at the beginning, the heart goes in a bad rhythm and, you know, you're in cardiac arrest and, you know, you might be lucky, but the majority of people are going to die right away. We are losing good, good, good people and families and, you know, these are kids that aren't going to see a, you know, a parent, spouses aren't going to see a loved one. It's tragic. So when you take just one human being, um... You know, uh, I always go back. We had a great Detroiter who ran a school of engineering design and at age 60, and he was thin and he did yoga and externally he would fit like that group in Spain. Got to be healthy inside, you know, but if you don't test, you're guessing. And I live by another little credo, test, not guess. I, I want to know. I don't want to guess. I don't want to use a calculator. Let's talk about testing next. Yeah. But so this young, you know, this six-year-old went out for a bike ride a couple of years ago, never came back, dropped out of a heart attack while enjoying a nice day. Kids never saw him again. I mean, breaks my heart that our system doesn't identify it. So mm-hmm. let's talk about testing. And um, I always like throwing a little medical history. Uh, 400 years ago, Dr. Seidenham in England said, you are as old as your arteries. So immediately every listener, I want you to ask, do I have any clue how old my arteries are? And you probably don't. 
If, nope. you have a, if you have a funny little crease in your earlobe, it's called the diagonal earlobe crease, you might have old arteries. I sound like the redneck guy right now. Uh, you might have old arteries. If, you have, if you're a guy and you early in life lost hair on the top of your head, you might have old arteries. If you've got salt and pepper hair earlier than your friends and relatives, you might have old arteries. If you have erectile dysfunction, if you're a man and you've started to have difficulty getting or maintaining an erection, you might have clogged arteries. You might have old arteries. But that's still intelligent guessing. You can go one step beyond that. So if you're over 40 and you're concerned because maybe you have a family member who had heart or stroke disease early in life, you have a cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, you have a funny crease in your earlobe or you're prematurely gray or you have erectile dysfunction, you want to get a CAT scan of your heart, which is a technology that was developed in San Francisco, right near Silicon Valley. It's not a very silicon kind of thing. It's a CAT scanner. You lie down, you go in a machine, you hold your breath, and you go home. No IV, no injection, no iodine, no exercise. In about 10 seconds, the three major heart arteries can be imaged or seen. Uh, it's like, I tell people when you see a doctor, or even if you have a stress test, it's like telling your mechanic, you know, I want you to diagnose that funny noise, but you can't lift uh, the hood and really look at the engine where the problem probably is. Uh, that's what a stress test is like. That's what a stethoscope is like. That's what even an EKG is like. But if you get this CAT scan, it's like lifting the hood and putting your hands on the engine. You actually see the heart. You see the arteries. You get a number. And if that CAT scan number is zero, you have almost certainly identified extremely healthy arteries that should do you good for another five, 10 years, maybe much longer than that. And if you get a number back that's 100 or 300 or 600, it's a software determined measurement of how much silent plaque, which is part of what they did in this Spanish study of bank workers, you've got a problem. You need to see a specialist. You need to really dive deep into some books, into your lifestyle. That's called a coronary artery calcium scan. And it used to be when Oprah did it on her TV show as a special 15 years ago, in my community, it was $1,000, and it really prohibited a lot of people from getting it done. In my city, it's now $70. It's uh, the same amount of radiation as a mammogram, which is generally considered rather low dose. And you don't do it yearly. You do it maybe every five or 10 years. And we would. That's part of the program to prevent a million heart attacks in the next two years. You know, you're 50 years old, you get a colonoscopy. You're 45, 50, you might get a mammogram. You're 45, 50, nobody's going to recommend this heart CT scan to you, even though your cholesterol is 248, even though your blood sugar is 112, even though your waistline is 42 inches. Nobody's recommending it. There's no money in it. There's not enough knowledge and awareness. Unfortunately, you often need a prescription from a doctor, so it can be an impediment. You go to your family doctor, your nurse practitioner, and they say, you don't really need that. It's only because they're not familiar with it. I've personally been involved in probably Ten to 12,000 patients that have had a scan. I know what to do about it. I know how powerful it is because there's about two or 3,000 medical articles about it. There's tons of science. So we just saved a bunch of lives. If everybody listening writes down coronary artery calcium scan, Google it, read about it, find out your local hospital, see if one of them will do it for 75, 80, 90, $100, probably not covered by insurance, although in the state of Texas, Everybody gets one at age 50. And you might think about doing that sometime after age 40 and just be certain you're as youthful inside as you believe you are. Mm -hmm. Such incredible amount of information there, both in terms of testing as well as, you know, watching out for those symptoms. 
let's just step back a little bit and say, you know, for folks that are so busy these days, running from, you know, their work to home to social engagements, and then trying to remember to keep that artery clean, what would you say are some of the most important takeaways for someone who's very busy and yet wants to do sort of that 80-20 rule, right? What are the 20% of things that I should do to keep at least 80% of my arteries clean? Sure. Um, and so, you know, some are so obvious, but we have to say, you can't smoke. You can't smoke and really expect good things to come from you. Yes, there has been a woman 113 years old who smoked till she was like 109 or something. But that, that is not how you base lifestyle judgments. There are people that text while they're driving, don't wear seatbelts and don't die. But uh, there are obviously increased risks and we recognize it. Don't smoke. You um, have got to stop eating processed food. The uh, food that's most offensive in terms of your health are probably processed red meats. So we're talking bacon, bologna, salami, pastrami, hot dogs uh, associated with obesity, dementia, diabetes, heart disease, erectile dysfunction, congestive heart failure. If you're in a hospital and you see them serving bacon or hot dogs, you should immediately grab the tray, throw it down, and start screaming murderers because then maybe <laughs> hospitals to wake up and stop and I say that, I used to say it, you know, with some passion, but when the World Health Organization in October 2015 determined in reviewing all the literature in the world that bacon directly causes colorectal cancer and should be considered a carcinogen on par with diesel fuel and cigarettes, although more people die of smoking-related disorders than bacon-related disorders, but why do we let anybody die of bacon-related disorders, at least in hospitals? So I've gone a little crazy on that topic. So don't eat processed red meats. Don't eat processed foods. You know, go hungry rather than pulling into McDonald's and having a sausage egg McMuffin. I'd rather you fast because there's so much to be said about the health benefits of fasting and maybe we can get there. So, you know, number one, 60% of calories that most Americans eat, sadly, are in a bucket or in a yellow bag are in a plastic wrapper from uh, or frozen and they're largely chemical and they're hyper-processed. You know, they made our life a little convenient maybe, but they have seriously, seriously altered our uh, health. And right next to that are sugar-sweetened beverages, which is the only added sugar in the diet where we actually know for sure does increase your risk of diabetes. A little sugar in your coffee, although I don't really love you doing that, doesn't cause diabetes, but sugar-sweetened beverages do. And so, you know, just get rid of the Diet Cokes, get rid of the regular Pepsis, get rid of the Mountain Dews, learn to go back to enjoying water and enjoying green tea, enjoying sparkling waters, black coffee, um, make, learn how to make uh, golden milk. Uh, the world's gone gaga right now about matcha tea in New York City. Matcha tea bars are the rage. And you know, get back to it. Yeah, we got to retrain our tongue a little bit. Um, but if we're serious about wanting to maintain our health and not end up, you know, with chronic disease or dropping dead. So that would be, you know, those are the twos to take out. And then what do you put in? You know, it, it just again, every meal has to be fruit and vegetable rich. Uh, we need to stand more, walk more, um, you know, and, uh, you know, you do, you do that 80% of the time, you're going to be way down the road towards health. You throw in getting your heart checked with a CT scan once around age 45, you know, your calcium score is zero. You're pretty bulletproof. I've had patients that look thin, exercise, seemingly seem in good shape, and the CAT scan comes back horrible. And about six weeks ago, I had probably 
the most messed up, stressed up executive in the city running an international business. Two in the morning eating spaghetti, four in the morning slamming down chicken parmesan, never has seen a treadmill since he was 20 years old, you know, 30 extra pounds of his body, calcium scores zero. Because it's actually a very complex process whether you're going to age your arteries or not. He was doing everything wrong, and his lab work was a disaster. So his lifestyle hadn't yet robbed him of um, artery health, but uh, there's a lot of years ahead. See, I said something important. There's that ding again. So, um, and then I would extend it, get a few extra lab tests that aren't usually on your doctor's uh, lab sheet. So, you know, you want to know your cholesterol. There is actually something called an advanced cholesterol panel. It's $28 instead of $12, so nobody's going to be hurt too much cost-wise. Uh, it's called an advanced cholesterol panel. I mean, know your vitamin D level, but there's one called high-sensitivity C-reactive protein. I had dinner last night in Las Vegas. One of the meat eaters runs a $6 billion a year lab testing business, the largest in the world. And he was telling me how miserably poor is the number of lab requests they get that check off the box that says HSCRP, high sensitivity C-reactive protein. If you don't test it, you don't know. If that lab comes back high, something's not working right. You don't get enough omega-3 in your diet. You're eating too much processed food, rich in sugar, rich in poor quality processed oils like soybean oil coming from, you know, rather poor, probably GMO sources. Uh, you're not exercising. Your waist is too big. You got psoriasis. You got dental infection. Check your high sensitivity C-reactive protein. See if you're suffering from inflammation because inflammation drives you down the road to cancer, drives you down the road to diabetes and dementia, drives you down the road uh, to heart disease. There's a kind of cholesterol nobody gets checked called lipoprotein A, lipo, L-I-P-O, protein A. Long word. It's actually got an abbreviation with three letters, L-P-A, um, L-P-A. It's a kind of cholesterol 20% of Americans, 63 million, have an elevated level on a genetic basis. You can say, man, I eat salad. I go to my yoga. I uh, sleep eight hours a night. I don't have to worry about that. Well, it's genetic. And you might have to worry about it. Get it done once. See if your blood level's normal or if it's 10 times normal. I have a whole practice full of people that finally have learned that they are suffering uh, early artery damage because they have a blood test, genetic abnormality they had no clue about. But once we test it, we can design a program to deal with it. Um, homocysteine. It's a few dollars to have it run. Indicates a me metabolic process indicates you're healthy and rich in your B vitamins or potentially unhealthy. So a couple extra advanced blood tests would be a good thing. And that's all. It's not that much. You know, do a little bit more than average. Eat a lot better than average, but test a little bit more than average. Those are great trip. Those are great tips. Let's talk about actually some other tricks. So what about saunas and hacks? What about saunas? What yeah, so, you know, hacks for your health. And it turns out, a bunch of interesting ones really get credit and are derived from Japan. So I can't tell you exactly why, but about 30 years ago, Japanese scientists and clinicians started using infrared sauna in animal research studies and ultimately in human research studies, mainly about heart disease, my field, mainly about congestive heart failure, high blood pressure, obesity, but particularly something, uh, you know, clogged arteries, atherosclerosis. And they've identified, these are all published in English. Any doctor you're seeing or anybody listening can just go to 
hacker internet and go read about it. But infrared sauna has been shown to actually improve heart strength, to decrease blood pressure, <clears throat> to uh, reduce um, hospitalizations in people that have heart disease. Um, some comparable studies out of Finland and Sweden using more steam sauna. Um, large studies show that if you want to predict how long somebody's going to live in Sweden and Finland, just ask how many times a week are you in your steam sauna and how many minutes each time, and you can do a little calculation. <coughs> Excuse me for that. And um, the more it is, the greater the chances of longevity. So it may be relaxing. It may be detoxifying in terms of eliminating heavy metals and persistent organic pollutants and endocrine disrupting chemicals that we accumulate, particularly in our fat. It's one of the reasons we want to keep a relatively thin body so you don't give all those chemicals extra fat stores to hide away in. But sauna is an excellent hack and one that I use regularly. How often do you go to a sauna and do you use infrared or regular? Yeah, I uh, I go to a sauna because it's sitting in my bedroom. Yeah, I, have oh, nice, okay. I have a nice infrared sauna, which I use probably three, four times a week in the winter and one to two times a week in the summer. There's just something about hiding away in there when it's cold and snowy. I love it. I love it. Um, I have one in my workout room, and it is the most beautiful, warm time. I wish I could do it every day. How long do you do it each time? You know, I turn it on, and I go do something and come back when it's pretty warmed up, but I'll stay in there about half an hour. Sometimes it's my place of meditation with a little soft mm -hmm. music. Uh, sometimes it's a place to read. Uh, I don't usually work out. There are people that have saunas big enough. They put a stationary bike or kettlebell, and I always chuckle at that. What a, what a great coupling of uh, activities. Uh, if you want to get really crazy, you go downstairs and you run your treadmill for 10 minutes. You take a little niacin, and then you jump in your infrared sauna, and man, you will sweat like no other, but... That's only for the very strong and the very adventuresome. Be careful with that if you have any kind of medical issues. Uh, so, yeah, sauna is a great hack. There's something called grounding. There's not as much science for what I'm going to talk about. There is a theory, and I'll say this. I was yesterday in Las Vegas with Clint Ober, who is the founder of the modern theory called grounding or earthing, along with the cardiologist Stephen Sinatra, hanging with him yesterday. But Clint Ober was sitting on a park bench in uh, Sedona about 30 years ago. And he, he was an engineer and he knew a lot about electron flow and health. And he was noticing rubber sole shoe, rubber sole shoe, rubber sole shoe, rubber sole flip-flop, rubber sole gym shoe. As people walked by and he said, you know what? People didn't used to wear rubber sole shoe. We used to be barefoot. We used to wear leather moccasins or whatever we wore. And he was aware that there is a energy source in the earth itself and an electron flow in the earth and the crust of the earth. But if you wear rubber sole shoes, you can't participate in that. And he went on to do some research and came up with a concept that we have suffered some health and some inflammation disorders by never being in contact with the earth. So if you're in a proper climate and you can go barefoot once in a while in the grass, in the sand, by water, you might enhance your health. You can read about it, grounding or earthing. Um, Leather sole shoes are actually better in terms of actually transmitting some of this beneficial electron flow, according to Dr. Steve Sinatra. And there actually are sheets that you can buy <clears throat> that have a very, very, very fine uh, little wire mesh in them. You can't feel it. It's so fine. And you're not going to get electrocuted. But you actually plug these sheets into your 
three-pronged outlet because one of those prongs is the grounding prong, and it actually is connected through your uh, house electrical wiring system to the earth. And you can actually, you know, derive some earthing while you sleep. I am crazy enough. You know, I'll do a few crazy things if there's no harm. <laughs> Me I don't too. Know, so I don't know of any harm. So I have those sheets on my bed. I've had them for years. But I am not, I've never actually recommended those to a patient. Uh, there are some scientific studies. If they ask me, I'd say, go for it. I do it. But it's not on my checklist of, you know, top five things I'm going to ask you to do. Um, another hack, get a get a blender. Get a, you know, personal blender, whether you get the high-end Vita things or you get the low-end Nutra things, you know, and get yourself a, a good recipe for a smoothie. In fact, I last patient I just saw today, I owe him. I have a recipe on the web out there about Dr. Khan's perfect breakfast smoothie and I told him I'd send it to him so just jog my memory when we're done I'll do that but you know if we're going to try and get five six servings of fruits and vegetables a day is actually the minimum eight nine ten would be better you know that's a great hack is to learn how to make not a sugar rich but a um, whole fruit whole vegetable ground flaxseed cacao powder chia seed you know a tasty morsel I don't usually put protein powders in them I don't even like the word protein because it kind of polarizes and everybody immediately thinks of chicken breast. They don't think of chickpea. <laughs> I think I find or protein. protein. I'm going to go eat some black beans. That would make the world a whole lot healthier. Um, and happier. And happier. A little noisier too, but that'd be fun. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. You know, take a little beano. <laughs> you got it. What about vitamins? Do you recommend vitamins? If so, which type? If not... Do you worry about nutritional deficiencies as a vegan? Okay, um, all wonderful questions. So again, going back to that little um, statement I made, test not guess. Not all, but many vitamins can be tested for, and I'm not into wasting dollars, but you probably should have your vitamin D level checked because maybe 50% of Americans are extremely low. The normal levels are usually over 30, but there are people that are you have blood levels of six, seven, eight, nine, and which is like super low, 12, 14. Um, B12, um, if you're eating strictly vegan, yeah, you can get your blood level checked. Uh, omega-3, a very important essential nutrient. Humans, animals, you know, salmon don't make omega-3. Grass-fed cows don't make omega-3. Um, they eat from the earth and they eat from algae and they eat from bacteria that make uh, B12 in terms of the earth and algae in terms of omega-3 like EPA and DHA so there's blood tests for that and I do them on my meat eaters and my chicken eaters and I do them on my vegan patients and uniformly there's a variety of nutritional deficiencies uh, that are not unique solely but to answer your last question or two last questions I am uh, I use natural substances and you can call them vitamins nutraceuticals supplements um, when I've seen scientific benefit uh, and I want to help my patients. I mean, I can write them a prescription for a blood pressure drug, and there's a lot of ones that are tried and true and safe, and I use them when I need to. But some of my patients don't want that, and they're willing to try and lose weight and exercise, change their diet, drink hibiscus tea, add ground flaxseed to their diet, all of which can lower blood pressure, use an infrared sauna. But I might use a Indian Ayurvedic herb called amla, Indian gooseberry, because that's been shown to lower blood pressure, cholesterol, and blood sugar. I might use an Italian citrus called bergamot, which has been shown to lower blood pressure, blood sugar, blood cholesterol. And there are published human studies that are 
pretty, pretty impressive. So I do use a lot of natural, you know, vitamins. I frankly rarely give anybody just a standard multivitamin. These are more targeted. Um, if they're low in omega-3, I want them to eat omega-3 rich foods, walnuts, greens, chia flax. But I might pick a vegan or rarely a fish-based EPA, DHA supplement. My, my vegans, yes. Vegans, uh, the latest, greatest is uh, they should probably be taking three uh, vitamins. Uh, we all know B12 because you can get some serious neurologic problems if you are low in B12. And there's plenty of you know, non-vegans that are low, but uh, vegans are statistically a little bit more uh, commonly afflicted with that. Uh, vitamin D, uh, which is uniformly low in so many people, but slightly more likely to be low in people eating a vegan diet. And finally, uh, a little algae-based omega-3, EPA, DHA. It's kind of the current recommendation. I mean, there's you know, dozens of benefits to adopting a fully vegan diet. There are a few uh, weaknesses to it. Uh, and the weaknesses are so trivial compared to the benefits. So there actually are a few companies now making a single vitamin that has omega-3, vitamin D, and B12. So it's made it even easier. Or you might have to take three little pills or maybe you're doing a sublingual spray or something. But it's really not much of a liability to do all this. How about stress? How hard is stress on the arteries? And what do you use to keep yourself stress-free? Um, well, I, I, the day I get stress-free, I'll call you immediately. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, there's a story about that very question, and I think you know, and the the older, wiser person is walking with another person talking about people that are stress-free, and he's purposely wandering through the neighborhood until they come to a cemetery. Points out. This is where there are stress-free people. Everybody else <laughs> has to have a management technique. Uh, but I do. I use humor. I mean, seriously, I do use humor. I use a lot of music. It can range from really uh, Kirtan, uh, Krishna Das, uh, Garish, uh, the whole Kundalini music scene was not Really? I love all that stuff. And I play it in my office for my patients nonstop. It's just kind of a beautiful background of soothing, but it might instantly go to some blues riffs and uh, what you probably wouldn't call very calming music, but that, uh, music does it for me. I have breathing practices. I do something called the Kirtan Kriya, a little 12-minute meditative breathing practice that uh, Dr. Singh in Tucson at the Alzheimer's Prevention Center writes about, and simple, simple little meditative practice uh, that you can learn in probably 90 seconds. Um, Fitness, you know, um, I do a little yoga flow called the five Tibetans every morning for back and core and mindful kind of training. I do the same darn yoga flow every day, but I love it. Uh, what else do I do? I try and get sleep because, you know, if you're tired, your day's probably going to be bad and you're not going to manage you know, uh, stress well. If you've taken a red eye and you've got three and a half hours of fairly stinky airplane sleep, you know, you're going to be easier to trigger when a uh, patient shows up late or a uh, spouse says something about the bags under your eyes or whatever it is. So uh, I really do treasure good sleep more than I did for the first 45 years of my life, 50 years of my life, because I'm approaching age 60. It's, uh, it's, a, it's like the new status symbol, the New York Times said. If you can legitimately say, you know, you're getting seven, and a half, eight hours of sleep, uh, you, you've got, you know, you're doing Tim, or, Tim Ferriss four-hour workday philosophy or something, but you're doing things right. 
That's right. I think sleep is one of the most important healing recommendations. I try to practice it myself. So what apps have you been using? Have you tried any of the apps? There's so much good stuff out there. Um, you know, there um, actually there's an interesting app that the University of Michigan has um, for inter- for like travel and sleep and uh, such. And it's called, I think it's called Entrain, E-N-T-R-I-N. I'm looking it up on my phone. So if I'm taking a big trip, that might be, uh, it's a whole strategy how to, yeah, E-N-T-R-A-I-N. It's a free downloadable app. You know, Headspace, 10 minutes of a guided meditation before bed uh, is something that I'll use now and then. It's just so accessible. Um, But I don't use other sleep apps. I'm trying to think. um, There are so many. You're right. Are there any other apps in terms of just heart health that you like that you would recommend? Yeah, you know, you got to give a shout out to Dr. Michael Greger from uh, nutritionfacts.org, an absolutely amazing free website, and his um, book, How Not to Die. And he has an app called The Daily Dozen, 12 Health Habits, largely centered around nutritional choices, a little bit there about fitness and hydration. And you can literally go through during the day and check off that you got 12 of 12. Uh, which would make it an incredibly healthy day. Um, I think that's it, you know, in terms of regular stuff. You know, there are some, well, let's say one other. If anybody out there has a a true cardiac problem, if they're having palpitations, heart irregularity, heart irregularity, there's a little device called LiveCore, L-I-V-E-C-O-R, and you order it on Amazon for 99 bucks. The app is free and downloadable, but the actual... Um, um, device requires spending a few bucks on uh, Amazon, and you you can record an unbelievably accurate electrocardiogram off your phone. Um, now the Apple Three Watch has it as a um, as a watch band. So I'm like a crazy man because I like to do this in the airport and you know go up to people and just show off by <laughs> cardiograms off my watch, off my phone. Um, and anyways, it, it's actually very useful if you're having some issue, you know, uh, and the doc put on one of those monitors, told me he couldn't find anything, but I still feel something funky going on. Well, it basically with live core can be your own monitor. And I have patience cause that's the beauty of it. You record your heart for 30 seconds and then they email it to me and it can tell, look, it's amazing. You've caught something Very cool. we didn't catch during the, the hospital heart monitor. Very cool. Yeah. Let's talk fasting. I know you've talked a lot about intermittent fasting and there's, um, a company who orders products, who delivers products uh, that you've talked about. Tell us a little bit about why it helps with heart health and how do you do intermittent fasting? Yeah, so um, I love to talk on that topic. If we would have talked a year and a half ago, I would have had a lot less to say. Um, That's why I was in Las Vegas yesterday because the world's leading expert in fasting is a Italian-born professor of Biochemistry at the University of Southern California, Dr. Walter Longo, or professor of biology, professor of gerontology, really. Um, Walter Longo, if anybody wants to watch one of his YouTubes or listen to a podcast, it's, it's like the word Walter with a V-L-O-N-G-O, PhD. He just turned 50. He was nominated for the Nobel Prize in Medicine for his just remarkable science about the biochemistry uh, in cells of why we age. But what's unique, there's a term translational medicine, taking basic science, 
trying to translate into something that can help people right now. And what's unique about Dr. Longo is he's always had kind of two research projects going on, a basic science one that probably will win a Nobel Prize in medicine in the next 10 years. But he's had a clinical trial going on for years about what's the optimal way to use fasting to actually slow down these biochemical processes that he was the first in the world to describe. Really unique. I mean, not just identify the pathway and the problem, but come up with a solution. And it turns out he took more than a decade and tried, you know, like Thomas Edison, 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. He tried many, many different ways, dozens of ways to try fasting in, in models of yeast, models of mice, and ultimately now human. And he found if you sustain reduced calories five days in a row, not a day a week thing, not like the fast diet in England where two days a week you would drop your calories. You drop your calories five days in a row, but you don't drop them all that much, I'll tell you. And you, and you drop them in a way with a very specific constitution of what you're eating. You can not only provoke what fasting may do, which it may help you uh, lose visceral fat, which means belly, uh, you know, belly roll and uh, looking better in your bikini. You may drop your blood pressure, may lower inflammation, that high sensitivity C-reactive protein. Well, you actually activate because it is a little stressful to eat uh, the calorie load of this program for five days in a row. You actually, the body responds by trying to heal the body. The body's under stress. The body's threatened. Let's put out some of uh, the basic uh, mechanisms that we share with yeast. The exact, I won't say exact, very similar mechanisms of healing when we're stressed by fasting. And so we release stem cells in our blood. The only dietary program. The only fasting program shown that you have your bone marrow respond by releasing youthful stem cells that might go to your sore plantar fasciitis or your sore left hip or your sore right shoulder, or maybe your multiple sclerosis, your dementia, your type one or two diabetes. These are ongoing research projects that are looking very hopeful. And so he's put that together. It's 800 calories a day. It's a low protein, low uh, carbohydrate, high healthy fat whole food diet. There's olives, there's nuts, there's soups, there's drinks, but it comes in a box and you can't really do it without Dr. Longo's box because there's very, um, there's been years of work going into these 65, 66 different ingredients that are in the soups and all in terms of the spices and the teas. So that's called Prolon, P-R-O-L-O-N. I learned about it about a year ago. It's five days a month as often as you want to do it or perhaps as often as you can afford it because it's not all that inexpensive. I've done it seven of the last 10 months when I do it for those five days. 800 calories, I'm not going to go out there and run 10 miles. I'm going to do some yoga and be gentle that day or those five days. Sleep like a baby, work well all day, brain sharp, no kind of um, detox feeling of headache or nausea because it's really geared to give you the nutrition you need at only 800 calories. But I'm, I'm 25 pounds lighter than I was 10 months ago, and I have never had any program. It happens to be a plant-based dietary program, so it just fit perfect into what I was already doing for the last four decades. And I've had dozens and dozens and dozens of patients that have reproduced that, that have dropped their inflammation, have seen clinical gains in terms of resolving some clinical problem that was bothering them, usually some achy joint or fibromyalgia. Um, and they're actually anti-aging. They're actually rejuvenating their body using food. And anybody can do that right now. There are some people shouldn't do it. People with eating disorders, people that are underweight, very elderly, people with brittle diabetes, or maybe even any diabetic. There's a, 
soon to be an ongoing trial of this dietary program in diabetics. And so we get those results. You know, it's not really a, a treatment plan for diabetes in a box, but um, ongoing studies in Alzheimer's, ongoing studies in multiple sclerosis, ongoing studies as a adjunct to chemotherapy, because there is some preliminary data that suggests you actually get a better response from your chemotherapy with less side effects when you combine these sustained days of fasting with the therapy. I think is without a doubt the biggest advance in preventive and nutritional medicine of 2017, maybe the last decade, without a doubt. Last question. Let's talk about keto and paleo versus vegan. Yes. Hitting all the hot buttons here. I left the best till the last. Wow. So here here we are, you know, end of 2017. And in fact, just today, there was a, a, a pretty popular, pretty viral article that features a very well-known holistic health doctor talking about how the diet of the future for the next decade will be keto. Yeah. And... You and I know that when you say keto, what jumps out in terms of recipes is beef briskets and bacon. It's not vegetarian. And butter, the B and and butter. Butter Butter and coffee, butter bombs, fat bombs is what they're called, but they're really butter bombs. So where do you come out and how dangerous do you think this new keto diet fad is and and what do you worry about? Yeah, so, you know, like almost... Every approach, I'm looking for science when I'm making recommendations to patients. I have an MD after my name, and I think that's my responsibility. I'm a professor at a couple of medical schools around Detroit, and I have to teach, and it has to be within you know, uh, acceptable uh, levels. So if you go to the National Library of Medicine, that kind of online resource that we all go to now instead of the... Uh, textbooks that I owned a long time ago, and you look up ketogenic diet, you will find a number of references about using it for refractory seizures, refractory epilepsy. In fact, you can go back 100 years in children with refractory epilepsy. Ketogenic diets, we're going to drop the carbs very low. We're going to leave usually fat and protein high. We're going to, if we sustain that, with very, very low carbohydrate, we will start to manufacture these ketone bodies that can cross the blood-brain barrier and be used as a fuel by the brain, even though the brain prefers glucose as a fuel. It can use an alternative fuel, ketone bodies. And there is a response in some of these kids and some adults with refractory seizures. That is essentially the only data in the literature, and most people listening today do not have refractory epilepsy, thank goodness. There are hints at a few studies that short-term Low-carb, high-fat diets may be of value in improving waistline, measures of inflammation, blood sugar, blood cholesterol. I don't deny that there's science out there. But um, uh, there's none about cardiovascular disease. There's zero data. Actually, I'll tell you there is one piece, but there's none that indicate a benefit to cardiovascular disease. Certainly none that indicate there's a prevention, halting, or reversal of cardiovascular disease, whereas we have this very robust uh, body of data for whole food plant-based diets to halt, prevent, and reverse cardiovascular disease, number one killer men and women in America. So this big giant goose egg of really solid science. And what's very concerning to me, because the typical, as you already said, ketogenic diet is going to be 
my my Twitter friends that we share comments back and forth that post every day. It's my 30th day of eating a no carb all meat diet. Um, it's my third month of eating a no carb all meat diet. You know these things get distorted to such extremes. Is there are seven very large studies in the medical literature that people that sustain a ketogenic type diet long-term have a side effect called increased death rate. And that, that's solid science. It's <laughs> the increased death rate. So mm. that's not usually discussed on keto blog sites, keto bone broth products, whatever right. it is that, you know, warning, uh, it is possible that this may harm your health in terms of your actual survival. There is one study, if you've had a heart attack, this study is from Harvard, Harvard School of Public Health, involves a few thousand patients. All had had a heart attack, all filled out very detailed dietary questionnaires, which like it or not is how most nutritional science is played out. And those that described their diet in a way that was low carb, high fat, had a higher death rate after a heart attack than those that described their diet as a whole food omnivorous, whole food Mediterranean, or whole food, you know, plant-based kind of diet. So once again, in the heart world, I would not recommend my patients to the typical ketogenic diet that so many health professionals. Now, turns out Dr. Longo's five-day program and only five days a month does induce a ketosis the last few days, day four, day five, day six. You have to be a little careful and frail people. It's using plant-based ketosis and there is a growing interest. There were some research studies already, it was called eco-Atkins, that a plant-based ketotic diet short-term may correct some abnormalities like blood sugar, blood cholesterol, blood pressure. And now we have Dr. Longo's program with some actually revolutionary data about rejuvenation, regeneration using a plant-based ketotic diet, limited in duration, going back to a diet that is not ketotic and maybe pulsing it intermittently. And I think there's a lot of reason to believe that may be an option that's healthy. But uh, an animal-based ketotic diet, the scientific literature just scares me. I agree. It scares me when I look at bacon for breakfast, especially after watching the movie What the Health. So There we go. I think everybody everyone, should watch twice. Right. I agree. I think everyone should watch twice. So I can't look at chicken the same way after seeing the movie, and I won't reveal why. I think people who haven't seen the movie really must watch the movie. So... Uh, You've written some amazing books. Last question. I know I said that before, but this has been so insightful. I keep coming up with awesome questions that I want to know your answers to. But truly, last question for everyone out there that's listening, that's an executive under a high-pressure job, you've got a great book out, Dead Execs Don't Make Bonuses. What's the essence of that book, and what do you want every executive that's listening to this podcast, as we do distribute out in Silicon Valley, in the tech world, what is the one thing you want them to do to not die? Uh, yeah, so I uh, actually uh, answer your question and just add one little codicil to it. It is what we talked about. That book, Dead Executives Don't Get Bonuses, is a plea. It, the subtitle is The Ultimate Guide to Surviving Your Career with a Healthy Heart. And it's a plea to get this advanced testing. Never assume that you went to the gym or you didn't go to the gym and you're not having chest pain and your doctor said you're okay if you've actually had a physical exam. Never assume that actually is a reassurance that you're not gonna drop dead at work or at home in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s. Test, not guess. Get those labs we talked about, get that heart uh, CT scan, know for sure, and then get the right treatment if you're not, if you're in that 50%, this new 
Spanish study says, uh, are walking around with silent artery damage ongoing with no clue. So the book pretty much goes in a little more detail about what we've hit uh, as a high point in our discussion today. I actually have a brand new book coming out January 1 called The Plant-Based Solution. It's a beautiful book with reviewing a lot of what we talked about uh, on the advantages of a plant diet in a variety of uh, medical and health uh, arenas, as well as the environment and uh, animal rights. And then it has about 70 recipes and a three-week eating program to get somebody going on this you know, wonderful uh, way to address the uh, deteriorating health that we see all over, whether it's measured by obesity, type 2 diabetes, rising rates of dementia, kind of plateau in heart disease rates. We haven't really beat this problem. 10 years ago, we said heart disease wasn't going to be the number one killer of men and women anymore. It was going to be reduced and, you know, and overall health was going to blossom, but we're not actually seeing that. So the plant-based solutions available on pre-order and all the big sites. And I encourage people to buy uh, hundreds of copies for the holidays. Thank you so much, Dr. Joel. Thank you for everything you're doing, your, your great mission of helping a million people prevent heart attacks. I think you're well on your way to achieving that. Really appreciate your time today. Uh, I have enjoyed it. And more importantly, I really do hope people took some notes, maybe go back and re-listen. Find me at drjoelcon.com where most of this is available. And, um, you know, really plan to lead an active, wonderful, healthy life. A great statement. It's an Indian uh, a proverb, uh, which is a person with health has a thousand dreams. A person with poor health has only one dream. So hopefully we've helped some people have the ability to hold on to their dreams and indeed hopefully get them. That's beautiful. For the rest of you, stay smiling. Get yourself tested. Pick up Dr. Joel's upcoming book and I'll see you on a next podcast. That's a wrap. Share your love with a five-star review and get show notes at healthbootcamps.com. Connect with us on Health Bootcamps Facebook and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out other great interviews and subscribe to the Get Healthier podcast today.